We're in a series uh, that we're calling Misfits. We believe that God is moving our lives from what is ordinary to a life that is truly extraordinary. Amen. Uh, we found uh, 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 instruction from God's word, uh, particularly in what we're calling our anchor text, uh, which is lifted from 1 Samuel chapter number 22, uh, beginning at verse 1, which reads, So David got away and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Uh, when his brothers and others associated with his family heard where he was, they came down and they joined him. Remember last week, we said what you separate from determines what you align with. All right. In this season, there are going to be certain things, certain people that you must separate from in order to align with the right things and the right people. Because what you walk away from determines what God brings you into. I don't want to belabor the point, but notice what he said to Abraham in Genesis 12. He said, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your hometown. I want you to leave everything that you know to be familiar, comfortable, and convenient. And then I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you how you like them apples. I want you to leave everything, and I ain't even going to tell you where to go until you take the first step of obedience, and as you go, I'm going to tell you where to go. Most of us never experience God's best because we're holding on to what he says, let go of. And what you separate from, i.e. Saul, which represents everything that is born of the flesh, if you don't separate from Saul and align with David who was God's anointed, everything that originates in the heart of God, you cannot, will not have God's best. Because I cannot experience God's best doing things my way. Proverbs 18 says that there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end of it is death and destruction. So it is possible to be sincere about what you believe and be sincerely wrong if it is not consistent with the truth of God's word. God's word is the final authority for this generation that believes that truth is relative, that truth is a moving target. No, there is such a thing as absolute truth. And Ravi Zachariah said it this way, the whole purpose of having an open mind is to one day close it on the truth. Y'all seen that CNN commercial? with the apple, and in the CNN commercial it said, this is an apple, but some people will try to convince you that it's a banana, but this is an apple. And some people will try to say, oh, well, that's your opinion. No, if it's an apple, it's an apple. That is not about an opinion, that is about fact. And that's the way most of us approach life. There are certain facts. There are certain truths that are irrevocable. No matter what your opinion about it, if it's an apple, it is an apple. And this is what I love. You and I cannot disagree about the same thing and both be right. You can't call it an apple and I call it a banana and then we both say, well, we both right. No, it is either an apple or a banana. For those of you who subscribe to relative truth, there is such a thing as absolute truth that is irrefutable. And there are certain things that you have to surrender, separate from to experience God's best. That's legacy-defining decision number one. And I would venture to say that most of us 
or some of us will not experience God's best because of the things we are unwilling to walk away from. Okay. <clears throat> Number two, <laughs> you can't have a legacy fulfilling, destiny defining life if you are overly concerned about what other people think about you. And that's what we talked about last week. And that's why I'm going to finish this week is in order to experience God's best and become all that God has created me to be, I have to deal with, confront, and overcome my approval addiction. It's okay to be validated. It's okay for people to compliment you. The problem arises when my life's decisions are determined, motivated by pleasing others. When the dominant thought in my decision-making is what others think about me, I have become an approval addict. Hmm? If my primary concern in life, if my primary concern in life is the approval of others, the sum total of my life will be a comp compilation of other people's expectations of me and not what I was created to do or who I was created to be. On my tombstone, it will read, here lies a man who lived to please everybody else. Here lies a man, here lies a woman who lived to please his mama, her mama, her daddy, her coach, her teacher, and we can live an entire life and never please God because I can't please God and man simultaneously. So who are we going to live for? Because our legacy is defined not only by what we separate from and align with, it's also defined by whose approval I live for. All righty. Let me tell you why Approval addiction is a seed of self-sabotage. Nobody doing it to you, you're doing it to yourself. Let me tell you why. Because of the people you are trying to please. I can only please God or I can please people. Now let me tell you quickly about just these six kinds of people generally. There's so many more categories, but I think I narrow it down to about six people that we try to please. And why it is self-destructive and counterproductive trying to please these people instead of God. Let me tell you the first reason. The people you are trying to please are impossible to please. If you didn't realize it yet, let me give you an aha moment, as Oprah would say. The people that you are trying to please are impossible to please. So no matter what you do, it will not be enough. Uh, let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me flip it. The people you are trying to please will either think of you as too much or not enough. You try to please this person. I say, oh man, man, 
tone it down, man. You too much. You too much. You try to please us. Oh, 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 man, you're not enough. You too much. You're not enough. And that's how we live our lives. Ping pong from person to person trying to please people who are impossible to please. Now, as I'm preaching this message, don't look at the person that I'm talking about because you may have come to church with them. Just keep it right here. Right here. As we say in Arkansas. That's what y'all say in Arkansas? it. Right here. No, who else from Arkansas? You from Arkansas? What y'all say in Arkansas? Her? <laughs> no, I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. Okay, let me stay focused because I'm out of time. I'm out of time. Let me stay focused. Six people, six kind of people. Uh, the reason it is useless to try to please people is because most people fit in one of these six categories. Generally, there's so many more. This is not an exhaustive list. But the reason it's futile to do it is, number one, people are demanding. Have you ever dealt with people who are demanding? These are the little dictators, the little Saddams, the little Idi Amins in your life. These are the people who are domineering, overbearing. These are the people who place unrealistic expectations on your time, your schedule. They always want more of you, and no matter what you give them, it is not enough. You can try to please them, but you'll never be able to do it. Mm, okay, I'm going to go fast. Number two. <laughs> there are people who are disapproving. Uh, the disapproving are the nitpickers. Nitpickers are highly critical. Your best is never good enough. They are perfectionist. They love to point out your mistakes, and nothing you do is good enough. Yet most of us live for the approval of people who are disapproving, who nitpick everything we do. And it's like, man, if only I could get them to Co-sign, if only co-sign on my efforts. If only I could get them to give me a thumbs up or an attaboy or give me a pat on the back. You probably will never get it. Because it'll always be, yeah, you did good, but. And most of us live our lives. We get so fixated. Right? Sometimes, like, if I can only please this person who you can never seem to please. And we go through life with that void. Uh, number three, third, third, third kind of person that we try to please, uh, I call them the deafening, right? They're, 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 they're deafening, meaning these are the ones, I call them the megaphone, right? Because they are loud, they are self-absorbed, and they're going to talk you into surrender because they're argumentative, and it always has to be their way. The disagreement, the conflict doesn't end unless it ends on their terms. Some of y'all married to them right now. And the only way, this is, how, this is how you live right now. Whatever you say. Yep, that's okay. Where your opinion no longer matters. 
because they're going to get in your space. They're going to get in your head. They're going to yell. They're going to be louder than everybody else. And that's why I tell people, I say, don't get loud. Improve your argument. Yelling doesn't make you any more right. And so that's the way most of us live. If I can just get this person to calm down and quit yelling, I'll just surrender my opinions and my ideas and my choices and my dreams because there's too much noise. Let me tell you about deafening people. They get all the attention. And that's one of the things they taught me in the Army, in my combat lifesaver training course, that if you come to a, a, what appears to be a fatal scene, don't go to the person that's yelling. Because it means they're alive and they have a clear passageway. If they're yelling, it means they're alive and they're breathing. You go to the person who may be alive, who may be unconscious, who may be breathing. You're not sure if they're alive because they ain't saying nothing. So the first thing you do, Pastor Jesse, Lieutenant Colonel, Army Ranger, U.S. retired, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's the first thing you're supposed to do? When you come to somebody who ain't talking, they may or may not be alive, but you're in a life-saving situation, what do you do? First thing. What about, what about Army people that? Let me not put Pastor Jesse on the spot. Huh? Yeah, were you a DS? Were you a DS drill sergeant? Dakota, no? Okay, you, you roll like a DS though, a drill sar. Huh? Hell? Hey? What's the first thing you're supposed to do? Check for responsiveness. No, no, no. Okay, okay, okay. No, no, no. Okay, pump, pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. This is my sermon. No, this is my sermon. Good answer though, Dakota. Good answer. Good answer. Okay. Right, stay alert, stay alive. So, okay, so you're not, okay. You're not sure if they're conscious or not. It's a dark night on the side of the road. And you come to this person. That's the first thing you do. Patrick got it. Patrick's an army guy too, our drummer. You check for responsiveness. Tap him. If they're not responsive, you check for breathing. Right? If they're not breathing, clear the airway. CPR, all that stuff. The reason I say all of that is there are people in your life who are getting all of your attention because they're the loudest voice in your head. And the people who need your attention most are suffering in silence. But we live for the approval of the ones who make the most noise. All right, number four, there are these people that I just call destructive, man. They're just destructive. They're, they're like volcanoes, right? Uh, they lie dormant, and, and, and all of a sudden, man, this boom, uncontrolled anger fits of rage. And you walk around on eggshells because you know that at any moment, something I do or don't do will cause 
a cataclysmic eruption. So your whole life is about walking on eggshells and making sure I don't push the wrong button. And you just kind of live this safe, sterile kind of life because you exist to keep the volcano from erupting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, number five, these are people who are discontented. I love these people. They're funny. They're funny. They're funny. The discontented are the crybabies in your life. Every single day, they wake up and pull out a violin and sing a sad song. And your entire life is to make them feel better about themselves. Notice, you know those people. They are in your life. They get their feelings hurt so easy. Number six, the reason I'm saying all of this is I'm trying to communicate to you why it is a waste of time to live for the approval of others. Because these are the types of attitudes you will deal with. And why it's so much better to live to please God. Here's number six. These people are demeaning, demeaning. They are the smout mouths. They're rude. They're insulting. They use caustic language. They are bubble busters. You tell them your dream, they immediately kill it. They are dream deflators. They love to tell you how you don't measure up. They are petty, mean, and this is what we know about rude people. Rude people are rude because they are hiding enormous insecurities. I'm going to tell you off before you see how little I think of myself. If I can keep you at arm's length with my rudeness, my foolishness and mayhem, you will never know what I really think about myself. And the way I keep you away is by demeaning you. Because, here's why, here's why. Because if I can blow out your candle, I will make my light shine brighter. So demeaning people go through life blowing out everybody's candle so that they can make their light shine brighter. So Jesse, why don't you come? Cedric, why don't you come? Dexter, why don't you come? Um, Sean's dad, why don't you come? I forget your name. James, why don't you come? Will, why don't you come? Is that six? Watch your step. Y'all just line up right here. Y'all just line up right here from most handsome to ugliest. No, no, just. <laughs> ah! I had to do it. I had to do it. I had to do it. It just came up out of nowhere. <laughs> there you go. Most handsome. No, 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 no. Is that six? Right, 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 right. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that was not nice. All of them good looking. They're fine. Uh, I need one more. Terrell, why don't you come? Come on. Yeah, trying to add a little brightness, baby. I'll be sure in the house. I'll be sure. All right. Is that six? And then I just need one. Damon, why don't you come? And I want you to stand as far away as possible from him. And so... Uh, uh, we go through life often living right here, running from demanding 
to demeaning and demeaning to demanding, running back and forth. What back and forth? What do I do to please James? What do I do to please Cedric? What do I do to please Dexter? What do I do to please please uh, Jesse? What do I do to please Will? What do I do to play, please Terrell? Everyone needs something a little different. We devote our time, our energy, living right here, back and forth. Meanwhile, God is over here, and we never even take into consideration what God thinks or what God wants. Now, let me, give, let me contrast, and again, you guys are not bad people. Let me just say that. But let me just contrast our approval addiction to this. Y'all remember all six of the things I described? But notice who and what God is. God is love. Yet we spend our entire lives right here living for the affirmation and approval and validation of people who may be demeaning, who may be discontented, who may be all the things that we described. Yet the scripture says God is love. And the whole time God is saying, hey, Ray, I see you running back and forth and you're never going to measure up to that. But I loved you before any of these people ever had an opinion about you. So why does what they say matter when I love you with an everlasting love? Part of the pull is we look for approval in all the wrong places. Let me tell you why as I close. There's an article I read recently in Money Magazine. There was a lady in November who went to Walmart somewhere in Florida. And she tried to get, this wasn't smart. I think she got too ambitious, but she tried to get $1,800 worth of electronics for like $3 or something. She moved, she switched these tags. And she got to the cashier. And it's not the first time it's happened. When I pulled up that article, there were several others that came up. She switched the tags thinking that she would get the things that would make her feel better. Can I tell you that for most of us in life, somebody switched the tags and they've made us believe that if we take the tag that God has and try to assign it to these people, I will get from these people what only God can give. You ain't gonna get it from here, I promise you. You will not get what God, only God can give living right here. Somebody switched the tags. And somebody has deceived us into believing that if we become approval addicts, we will be accepted. So final statement. The things that may matter to you now, and this is my close, the things that may matter to you now are only temporary. So live for the things that are eternal. Let me put it in perspective for you. Have you ever been to your high school reunion? Only to realize that the quarterback that you were in love with peaked in high school. <laughs> now that dude you love, man, your whole life revolved around him. You made these life-defining decisions that were only temporary. It mattered to you then. 20 years later, it don't matter. 
but you invested your whole life, even made some life-altering decisions in the moment because of the people you were trying to win approval from. When the whole time God says, I am love. You don't have to perform for me. I love you just because. And nothing about my life changes until I choose to live my life to please God. Galatians 1.10, and this is where I close, I promise. All right, thank you guys. Everybody show your love. For the city church, Chippendales. No. <laughs> Sorry, that just slipped out. It just, it was a moment of levity. Sorry. 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 Galatians 1.10. All right, y'all can laugh at church. Y'all can really, y'all can laugh at church. Now y'all can laugh. That was good. Y'all should have laughed at that. Okay, this is where we close. Galatians 1.10. Notice what Paul said. He says, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. What he was saying, if I still live to please men, my legacy would be totally different. If I was still trying to please men, I would still be a Pharisee killing Christians. But because I've chosen to please God, I'm a church planter winning the world. Notice destiny defining decisions. For Paul had to do with his choice not to be a people pleaser. If you want to be a people, still be a Pharisee. But if he wanted to be a bondservant of Christ, he had to walk away from it. What choices will you make? Because the things that may matter to you now may not matter a few years from now. So live for what God has called eternal. Let me pray for you. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name.